Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Jude. There's only one chapter, so it shouldn't be too difficult to find. The New Testament. Last week, I preached a, a message that impacted many, many people. And um, I got the title and uh, some illustrations from our youth camp. At, pardon me, our, our youth unit, they do a, it's an internship for about four weeks. And um, they go hiking and camping on that last week. And traditionally, when I'm, when I'm able to, I, I go out with them. And uh, we went on a hike that was... Um, you know, pretty demanding and, uh, and slippery with bears and lions and tigers and, oh my. And uh, on the way down, that's a joke, but there was a bear. Anyway, welcome to Alaska. We had our hiking buddy right here. And so on the way down specifically, it was rather steep and there was some, you know, it was wet and, and there was some, we were starting to slip a little bit. And I said, hey, don't fall. We said, no one's going to fall. Don't fall. And I just kept saying, hey, don't fall. Watch your footing. Be careful, you know, as we, as we moved along. Are you all there in Jude? Would you stand up in honor of God's word? And um, we'll take it from verse 1. Judah's servant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James. By the way, Jude is Jesus' brother. Who those have been called, who've been loved by God, the Father, and kept, and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, love to yours in abundance. Verse 3. Dear, front, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt to write to you and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints for certain men. Everybody say certain men. Certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago has secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of God into a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I, went, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day, in similar way, everybody say in similar way, in similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example, as a what? An example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, slander celestial beings, but even Archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare bring slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. 
Yet these men speak abusively against what they do not understand and what things they do understand by instinct like unreasonable, unreasoning animals. They are the very things that destroy them. Verse 11, woe to them. Are you guys encouraged yet? Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit, and uprooted twice dead. My, my, verse 13. We're almost done. Hang in there. There are wild waves of the sea foaming up at their shame, wandering stars for whom the dark, blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way. And of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Verse 17. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold. Verse 18. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires, these men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build up yourselves in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire, saving them. Others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corruptible flesh. We've almost read the whole book. We might as well go for it. You ready? Now to him who is able to keep you from, from stumbling or from falling, to present you before his glorious presence without fault, with great joy, to the only God and Savior, be glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. You just read a whole book of the Bible. Father, thank you. Move in great power, God, right now. Let us never be the same in Jesus' name. Speak to us. Encourage and strengthen your people. And we thank you for it. Amen. You may be seated. I've, if you've been a part of this church for any length of time, um, you'll note that occasionally I'll mention that we do what I, what I call, not to be morbid, but spiritual autopsies. And uh, over the course of my time here, 15 years in the valley, some of you have been here a lot longer than I have, but in the 15 years I've been here, I have seen many, many, many churches destroyed, leaders destroyed, pastors backslide, uh, I'm gonna, it's just, it's, it's incredible, the onslaught against the leaders of the church, but not just the leaders of the church. There's an onslaught against everybody. 
Because the devil is like a roaring lion and he seeks whom he may devour and he's angry and he hates God and he hates you and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So what he wants to do is he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy me. Shock, shock. One of the common things that people fall into, men especially, especially although now in, uh, in 2021, it's, it's, it used to be just men, mostly men. Now it's almost even. But men have a tendency to fall into sexual sin. I'm writing the notes now. Due to lust, while women have a tendency to fall into sin out of emotional need. And you'll see right in the book of Genesis, at the fall of man, the decree is given, man's desire will be for, for his work, basically, but the woman's desire will be for her husband. Years ago, before we had smartphones, we had photos, especially the ladies had photos in their wallets. And maybe you still have photos in your wallet, but now we have these, these devices where we, most people have photos but it used to be back in the day, you know, I mean, like 20 years ago, if you talk to, uh, if a lady talks to another lady, they start talking about how many kids do you have? And, um, and oh, and these are my grandkids. And then, you know, all the pictures would come out and they'd be like, oh, and this one, oh, he's so cute. We call him. And then just go on and on and on all about all the kids and all the grandkids and, and on and on and on. You talk to a guy, he ain't whipping out his wallet showing you kids. That's, I mean, that might come a few steps later. The first thing a guy's going to go to a men's prayer breakfast. It's like, hey, Jim, what's up, man? How much? Good to see you. How's work? That's the next thing. How's work? What do you do for a living? How's your job? And so you'll see that men have a tendency to to find purpose through and identity through what they do. That's why it's very hard for a man to not be moved. I don't care what you do as a man. You need to know you feel good about what you're doing. And it doesn't matter if you're a janitor. You know, I mean, God bless janitors. I know some janitors very wealthy. They start a janitorial business. and It doesn't matter what you do. You think about whatever the lowest job is. How many of you know, thank God, for septic pumping? I wouldn't want to be getting sprayed by any of that, but I was thanking God when they came and cleaned out my tank. Come on, somebody say amen. And he was thankful when I wrote him that $500 check or whatever it was. <laughs> Women seem to be drawn more out of a relational need. Why are you talking about this? Because so many have wiped out. And last week I talked about Judas. Now nobody grows up, you know, when they're little boys, they're like, one day I want to deny the Lord and abandon him and die and go to hell. No little boy grows up with that dream, but how does that happen? Now, if you didn't hear last week's message, dude, go listen to it. Dudettes, go listen to it and get it down in your heart because anyone here can fall. Anyone here can backslide. Anyone here, all of us, all of us can be a Judas. I don't want to be a Judas. Come on, raise your right hand and say, I don't want to be a Judas. Well, you have to intentionally plan on not being one. Men have a tendency to be drawn away by lust. Women have a tendency to be drawn away through emotional need. The book of Jude warns us certain individuals, verse 4, whose condemnation was written long ago, have secretly slipped in. 
Uh, another version says they crept in, which is... I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, but we have, we have protocol, we have rules here. Not everyone here can just come to the front and, like you'll notice I said, pastors or ministers. We have another group called a healing team. That We have life group leaders. We have team leaders. There's a, there's a structure that's in place. I've heard someone say, well, when there's revival, it's just everyone can do anything. No, that's not true because we don't know where some of your hands have been. And so we have... We have training and, and instruction and accountability. We don't want anybody just come on in here. and not, not anyone can just come in here and preach. That's not how that works. There's structure. Why? Because the enemy loves to send people in, well-meaning as they might be. But how many of you know when you're deceived, you, you're deceived. That's what that word means. Well-meaning. Sometimes people not so well-meaning. There are wolves that come in. This is Jude is saying, I wanted to write to you about this common salvation, but I felt the Holy Spirit touched him to write about a warning. And he warns them within the church. Jude is warning them, saying, hey, there are people that creep in, and they're creepers. Slipper to creep in secretly by a side door is the picture. Here's the newsflash. It might be secret to some in the church, but it's no secret to God. Unnoticed people are definitely noticed by God. And so there's this warning that there's an enemy within, within the church. You said, are you telling me that there could be somebody here who's creeping? Yeah. You be sure you locked your car doors. We have sinners that come here. Amen. And so they should so that they can get redeemed like some of you. And not only an enemy within the church, but there can be an enemy within our own lives. And so I'm going to give you 72 points. What? It's only 10.05. 12 ways. 12. 12 ways. I tried to reduce it, and, and uh, I can't. So 12 ways the enemy works. And this is in the church, and it's within our own lives. Why would you teach us this? Jude's not my, I mean, Jude's like reading Leviticus in the New Testament. How many of you read Leviticus in the Old Testament? In the New Testament, equivalent to me, for me, is Jude. It's not something you're like, whoo, can't wait to read Jude. But it is packed out with revelation, and we want to be sure to finish strong. We don't want to fall, part two. Everybody say, I don't want to fall. Yeah, don't, don't fall. Don't fall, part two. Twelve ways the enemy works. One, distorts the grace of God. Write in your notes, verse four. Distorts the grace of God. There's no power like God's grace. But some people think they can just go out and do whatever they want to and then repent. And then everything's going to be good. That is, not, that is not how God's grace works. God's grace is the most powerful force in all the universes. There's multiple. Our universe. It's 100,000 light years across our universe. That's just one universe. They've found now the Hubble telescope that there are so many, they don't even know what to say about that. They're still discovering stars and... The God who made them knows everyone by name. So the grace of God is imperative to understand it, but there is a sloppy agape. There's a hyper grace. And it is, reminds me of Dr. Morocco when uh, he was in the Philippines as a boy, his father pastoring that great church in Manila. And it's now, I think it's 50,000 people now, that church, in the city of Manila in the Philippines. 
he grew up a portion of his life there, his teenage years, and there was a great battle over the land. And for seven years, they, they contended and prayed. I think it's for three years, they had 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer, unending. And they had, they had assassins try to kill Dr. Morocco's father. His name's Dan Morocco. He's a famous missionary in the Assemblies of God. Tried to kill him, and he survived it all. But in the heat of that, one of the leaders says to Dan Morocco all those years ago, says, we can take care of this. I know somebody from the north. They can come down. They'll kill him. We can repent and get on with the revival. Some of you are like, oh, I wish that was true. Yeah, that's not how it works. You can't kill somebody. And some of you think you can just go out and do whatever you want to. There's a distortion of God's grace. That's number one. Number two, the enemy distorts the leadership of Christ, the leadership of, of Jesus. Wow. Verse 4. And the way that that happens is people, they refuse to see Jesus is who he said he was. You all there in verse 4? For certain men whose condemnation is written about long ago have secretly slipped in. They're godless men who changed the grace of God into lewdness for immorality. And you'll find, listen, any, let me just go back to that grace point. Any teaching on grace that allows you to become more loose, licentious, lust-filled, and, and, and sin, yielding to sin more and let it be okay is a false teaching. So just remember it that way. And deny Jesus Christ, the only sovereign and Lord. You know, we've said it this way. If he's either the Lord of, your, Lord of all or he's not the Lord at all. And you'll find that the enemy loves to cause people to be Sunday morning Christians, part-time Christians, live for the devil Monday through Friday, maybe Saturday too, and then come to church. Church is not just like a cultural thing that you do. It is who you are. And, and the lead, yielding to the lordship of Jesus Christ is crucial. If you don't, you're headed for a fall. Look at verse 8. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute or defile their own bodies. They what? They defile their own body. There's things that can come that defile you. You know, our services, we frequently have altar calls. What does that mean? This is called, commonly called an altar. It's a call for you to come. Altars are where the holiness of God meets the sinfulness of man. That's what an altar is. And when we invite you to come, it's not because it's like some tradition that we have and we just, yeah, we just, you know, we do those. We do those because the enemy wants to come and pollute you. And, and I have altar calls every day in my own personal life. Listen, when you have something that goes on, listen, you need to come and make sure you're not polluted. Some of you are polluted. You wonder where your joy is. You've got to get cleansed. You've got to get washed. And if you don't, you're going to end up in some serious trouble. Don't allow for things to remain in your life. Okay, you got polluted. You saw something on the internet. Something happened. You allowed for yourself to, you know, well, welcome to humanity. Learn to, learn to navigate around those things and repent. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. One of the things I love about our staff is that we're a family. And how many of you know you're, you're, you got Cousin It? How many of you know who Cousin It is? I think I might be the Cousin It on the staff. Pastor Karen is not Cousin It. You know, we're all unusual. We're all peculiar. 
Come on, how many of you got some peculiar people in your family? All right. And we, we, we have fellowship together. There's a transparency. There's an openness. Why? Because we're not going to fall. We keep it that way. In the autopsies, the spiritual autopsies I've done, they all say this. Pastors, political people, uh, whatever kind of folk that fall, they all say the same thing. I had nobody to talk to. No, you idiot. You didn't talk to people. Idiot is a rather aggressive word. But Pastor Karen thought I should use that to emphasize. Look at number four. Not, that's a joke. By not being submissive. They reject authority. Listen, every single one of us are under authority. He said, no, I'm not. Uh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You might find yourself in jail to prove the point. Many times we're raised in homes or families where there is abusive authority. And, uh, or you're under a pastor that was abusive. Or maybe you came from a country that had abusive authority. A lot of going on in Cuba. They're not too happy about their authority right now. Right. And I've found this, that with people who have gone through abuse in homes and abuse in churches are rather reluctant to submit to authority again on that level. And I've found that they need healing. I needed healing. I'm not just talking about three quarters of you here. I needed healing. I just didn't trust people. And I didn't trust authority. I mean, I was the worst guy in our life group. You know what life groups are these groups that we have in homes and cafes and different places. They meet for about an hour, hour and a half. And they discuss God's word and have fellowship and pray for each other. So I went to one of those early on in my salvation. I was a nightmare for the leader. You'd be like, well, let's turn to God's word. Excuse me. How do you know it's God's word? Because it is. Let's talk later. How do you know that's true? What about that? It's written by man. On and on and on. I was thankful that I had leaders that were patient with me. Went to Discover Track, went to Foundations class and started learning and getting changed. I'm so thankful for uh, my pastor, Dr. James Morocco, who was not remotely uh, afraid of correcting me. You know, you, need, you and I need correction. If you haven't been corrected recently, you might be illegitimate. The Lord will correct you every day. Why? Because he, he does it with such love and grace, you know, unless you're not listening. And then, you know, you might find yourself behind bars and then, then you know, you, you praise God, you're not dead and in hell. Amen. The Lord loves you. We're all, we all need to be submissive to authority. And um, I had a great experience last night at the, at the Sean Foyt Let Us Worship event. We had altar call training. We did all kinds of training, preparing for people to receive Jesus and then to follow up on them. And so we had these lanyards that we were given, those who were, went to the altar call training. You had to, here's the criteria. You had to be a part of a church and you had to have a pastor. That's really the only criteria. You know, I mean, live holy and not to diminish that, but I mean, you know, you had to be like a real Christian and have a church and have a pastor. That, that was it. And so people came and they got lanyards. And um, when it came time for the ministry team to, to pray, they said from the front, okay, ministry team, go right ahead, pray. So uh, 
you had to have a special gift to move between people that had no space. You know, he's really packed. And as I'm walking around people praying for someone, I look and I see a guy with no lanyard. I see a guy, he doesn't have one of these things. He's not an authorized guy. And so as I'm praying and I see him finish, I tapped him. I said, hey, you have, you have one of these? No. I said, well, then you're not supposed to be praying. I said, are you? And then he had some uh, native uh, wear on that matched uh, some of the band and different people. So I thought, oh, you're part of, you're part of the team. No. No, I'm not. I said, oh, you're not allowed to pray for people. He said, I said, How, why are you praying for people? He said, I'm a Christian. What an amazing answer. I, I wish I could see him again to say, that's a great answer. It doesn't fully qualify in this venue. So I said, no, 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 you had to be, a, you have to have one of these. I'm so sorry. And I could see his, he, God's presence was on him. It's not like he was a wolf trying to hurt people. He just wasn't under the authority structure that we had. And I saw that he was really hurt by the fact he couldn't pray for people. So I just, as I said, oh, you know what? Would you pray for me? And I grabbed him by the hand and that guy turned loose and prayed for me. The Lord touched me. I said, thank you for understanding, man. You serve God. Awesome. And I went to go pray for people. And, and he stopped praying for people. I mean, I look back, and he's like, like, man, dude, submitted to authority. That's a beautiful thing. Some of you aren't submitted at all. You know, there brings a great protection when you're submitted to authority. He's well, I don't like authority. Then find some authority that you can submit to. You don't have to submit to a tyrant. Don't. You're an American citizen. Or you can be. But if you're not submitted to authority, you're going to have a lot of problems. And so, you know, Jude is telling us in number four, the fourth thing out of 27 is be submitted to authority. By not being submissive, they... They wound up in trouble. Look at verse 11. Woe to them, they've taken the way of Cain. This is so profound. And if you go to Genesis chapter 4 as we move along with 15 minutes left in our service this morning. Unless, of course, I blow the clock up. In Genesis chapter 4, it says this, verse 2. And you can turn there if you want to. Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse 3. Cain brought an offering of fruit, to the, fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but did not respect Cain and his offering. Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So here Jude is referring to, verse, verse 11, Jude is referring to this guy. His name is Cain. I always think about that when I go to the chicken place. It makes me not like it as quite as much. I'm just being honest. I just... Cain's, Cain's chicken. Just think bitter chicken, rebellious chicken, jealous chicken. That's what I think about. It is jealous chicken. It is good chicken. It makes me feel sick when I eat it, but it, but, but it tastes good. Cain, the way of Cain. What is the way of Cain? I'm preaching to you, I'm teaching to you from the entire book of Jude how to not fall. So what's number one? 
12 ways, not 27. It's a joke because 12 points, a lot of points, but I'm gonna land this thing in 14 minutes. 12, 12 points on how to not fall. What's number one? They distort the grace of God. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Cain was mad that he didn't get the blessing that Abel got. So God's like, oh, Abel, that's amazing offering. Cain, what happened, Cain? Cain. And Abel's like, you don't like my fruit basket? Cain, Abel, Abel and a Cain. Abel, what a lovely offering. Cain, no, we better not do that to you. We'll be the Cain right here. Cain, what happened? You didn't like my fruit basket? Yeah, no, you're not supposed to give fruit because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. You don't give fruit. You give, you give a real offering, and it's a sacrificial system. And so what happens to Cain is he's mad that God doesn't bless him. Cain gave what he wanted to. Abel gave what was required, and Cain got jealous. I know none of you ever felt that way when your friend got a new car, when somebody got a new house. You're like, whoa, hey, praise God, the Lord bless you. How come you never give me a new house, God? They got jealous, and he got bitter, and he didn't deal with it. I made my kids memorize this scripture. God comes, and he provides a way out for Cain. Cain doesn't take it, and he becomes the first murderer. He says, you, you know, sin is crouching at the door. You must master it. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is wrong, sin is waiting at the door. Listen, please hear me. Hello. Hello. Some of you have gone the way of Cain. You wonder why you're not, you're not blessed by God. You're not doing it the way that God has prescribed. If you'll do it the way that God has prescribed, you end up with the blessing that he says you could have. If you don't, then you end up with bitterness. Bitterness is, Cain was bitter. I didn't get what I deserved. God should have liked my fruit basket. I spent a lot of hard time in Miracle Grow. I slaved over that thing. I gave him the very best fruit basket I could put. You're not supposed to give fruit. All right. Being jealous and bitter like Cain. Come on, somebody say, whoa. Being greedy like Balaam. How many of you know Balaam? Balaam's the guy that the donkey spoke to. And every time he would go to curse, this is in Numbers chapter 16, uh, pardon me, Numbers chapter uh, 13, 31, Numbers 31. Every time he would go to curse, he was hired. He was what? He was hired. He was paid to curse Israel. And he would go and go to curse Israel, and God would turn the curse into a blessing. And three times that happens. But in the book of Revelation, Balaam is talked about as an evil man in Revelation 2 and 14. And the reason he's evil is because Revelation shows us the key. It says you can't bless what God is, you can't curse what God has blessed. Come on, say that. You can't curse what God has blessed. So he taught Balaam how to get them out from the, under the blessing. He taught them how to, be cur- how to curse Israel. Just get them in sin, and God will wipe them out himself. Why? Money. Greed. Watch out for greed. Be a tither. Don't let greed get a hold of you. Be a giver. You start getting greedy. You're in trouble. Come on, somebody say, whoa. 
being arrogant and proud like Korah's rebellion, number 16. Number 16 talks about this Korah who says, you know, we can be priests too, Moses. We can do this thing too. And Moses responds, I love it. He falls on the ground and he weeps and he cries. He says, let God figure it out. And God does. And Korah and his whole family, as all his rebellious ones get wiped out. And I've, I've actually heard abuse of authority from pastors. I've heard this on the internet. I've heard this in different places. I mean, basically, if you disagree with me, then you're in trouble and you're gonna have to deal with the Lord. You need to shut up. We agree with God's word, not with your opinion, but there is a submission to healthy authority. But don't have, you, don't, you can't use that scripture, Korah's rebellion. But then again, there are those who would try to be rebellious and try to cause problems. And we've had that in this church, and, we've, and you'll see it in every church. And if the church prays and is healthy, then Korah will be dealt with. Be confronted. You'll definitely get confronted here. We'll lovingly confront you. I love what Pastor Karen says. You know, people are, act like that because they're unhealed. So we just got to get them healed. If they refuse to get healed, hit the road, Jack. Yeah, don't you come back. No, no, I'm, the don't come back's not biblical. Unless you bring a death threat and uh, we will forgive you and you are not allowed ever to come back and you'll be forgiven and you go somewhere else. That's, that's the, we better move on. Look at eight, being self-centered, verse 12. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating. What are you talking about? I'm talking about a very heavy word about how not to fall. Don't fall, say it. Don't fall, all right. Being self-centered, gosh, I struggle with that. Sometimes, shepherds who only feed themselves. We're all called to help people. Self-centered. Jude goes on to describe them as being concerned about appearances instead of living right. With cloud, they are clouds without rain. What are clouds for? Provide shade, which I was hoping for yesterday afternoon that never came. But also not only shade, but to provide rain. So, so think about that. They're, they're, they're clouds without rain. So they have the appearance of bringing purpose, but they don't bring it. They're, they're shooting stars. Twice, they're fruit, they're fruit trees with no fruit. And he's talking, there are people like that. I don't want to be like that. Well, how are you not going to be like that? Hearing messages like this. and, and Listen, put a check mark. Put a little box. I probably should have done this on all of your notes. Put a little box to all 12 of these things and check off all the ones that you're guilty of. You're like, they're all of them and you didn't even get to 12 yet. I know it, they're all. All right, well, you can repent today. Concerned about appearances. Just want to look good. Cloudless, waterless clouds. And there's nothing wrong with looking good. I had this one guy say to me, you know, I was looking in the mirror, man. I, I, I was looking good until I turned sideways. And then I realized I need to lose some weight. <laughs> Number 10, failing to fulfill God's purpose. They're clouds without rain. They're waves of the sea foaming up their shame. Wandering stars who blackest darkness is reserved forever. We, we've been given a command to, to make disciples, to serve. You've got purpose. Come on, someone say, I've got purpose. Not just to be waves, not just to 
You know, no, our purpose is to be a, a lodestar for heaven. A lodestar for heaven, not a shooting star. A guiding star. That when people look at your life, they're like, nah, shmeh. They look at your life and they go, and they're blessed. They got something going on. It just seems to be smiling. And, and they're just like, man. Number 11, grumbling and fault finding. If you, if you look over the past week and you found yourself to be grumbling a lot and picking apart everybody's faults, you're headed for a fall. <laughs> Number 12, boast about themselves and flatters others for their own purpose. When there's a lot of I in your language, you know, when you listen to people and you hear I, 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 me, 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 gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, then there's trouble. Self-flattering, constantly boasting about, about things. All right, Jude calls us to protect ourselves, so... Here we go. How? By contending for the faith. By what? By fighting. You're in a battle. You fight it. Fight. It's a fight. I don't like fighting. I'm a lover, not a fight. Well, you need to learn to fight. Come on. Got to learn to fight. Got to learn to contend. Got to do the right thing. Got to keep moving forward. Got to keep your conscience clean. You say, that's so hard. No. The Bible says hard is the way of the transgressor. You gotta fight, you gotta contend. Secondly, you gotta remember God's judgments are real. Now, I didn't even go into this, but I think I'm gonna preach on it. It's been many years since I preached on Genesis chapter six about the sons of God, saw the daughters of men, saw that they were beautiful and chose them to be their wives. It's this demonic, these demons that come to copulate, I'll use a big word to shoot over the heads of those who probably are texting anyway, with human beings to produce an offspring of men of renown, half demon, half man. Gosh, I, I, I almost want to go there about genetic engineering and uh, the development of superhumans and um, that which is taking place to try to get rid of the age gene. I know some of you put all kinds of cream on your face to make you look like you're not getting older, but I got news for you. You're going to get older. And I, I, don't, I don't care how many facelifts or lifts and implants you get, you're still going to get older. And for those with the extreme level of money, let me just tell you, they're working very hard to try to figure out how to just live forever. And that ties back in. Uh, There's all I'm going to say about that. It ties back into what man's been trying to do. All They're trying to create their own eternity. Just freaked half of you out. God's judgments are real. Angels who left their abode. Listen, don't minimize the judgment of God. I'm so glad that he's dealt with me. I'm thankful for the, the woodshed of heaven. I'm thankful that he corrects me. I don't like it. I don't like getting humbled. But at the same time, it's good for you to understand that there will come a day where you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not popular, but true. I want truth. I don't want something candy-coated. 
Fourthly, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the, in the what? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Spirit. This is how to protect yourself. One, contend for the faith. Fight for it. Fight for the faith. Don't ever stop fighting for it. That brings protection on its own. Two, remember God's judgments are real because if you remember that, you're not going to end up just doing whatever you want to. You're going to realize, man, I, I, I'm under authority. And I'm a, one day I'm going to give an account for the way I'm acting right now. That's a good thing to remember. Uh, did I say strengthen your faith? I don't think I did. Strengthen your faith. That, that's what you're doing right now. You came to church. I commend you. You came to church. You're listening to podcasts maybe. You're reading your Bible. You're, you're, you're on our ETS program. 1230 or you listen to it later and, and you're learning you're growing we don't ever stop growing Paul asked you know bring me the scrolls at the end of his life he's going to die he's in Rome his life is short it's almost over and he says bring me my Bible let me say it that way why because he still wanted to grow in the things of God if you lose your hunger for God you're in trouble strengthen your faith D pray in the Holy Ghost Verse 20, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, God will cause you to be built up, that your faith will be built when you pray in the Holy Spirit. One of the things I loved about last night is it was an unashamed, full blast, Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, prophesying, decreeing, declaring type service. And if you've not been in a service like that, you might have been partially freaked out. There wasn't a lot of things that was explained about that. But we've done that here, and, we, and you can go online. I'm not going to go into all of it right now, but it does need to go in. People got baptized on the Holy Ghost on Wednesday. I was at a camp that I was invited to speak at. I think three-quarters of them got baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You need to be baptized in the Spirit. Why? Because it's praying the perfect will of God through you. Ontologically, your spirit and God's spirit are separate. But in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's God coming on you, in you, welling up on the inside of you. And then economically, your spirit praying with God's spirit, the perfect will of God. Mysteries, according to Ephesians. There's all kinds of messages online. Go avail yourself to those. But if you pray in the Holy Spirit, you'll protect yourself. Keep yourself in God's love, verse 21. Expose anything. Expose the foxes. Expose anything that tries to rob from you the love of God. Titus 2 and 11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. You've got to keep yourself in God's love. F, share your faith. Everybody say share your faith. You know, by sharing your faith, it brings protection. If you don't share your faith, you need to learn to start to. And I understand we're all at different levels in God, and that's okay. That's good. That's the way that is. Learn to share your faith. Learn to witness. Learn, learn to share about the love of God. During worship last night, so powerful, the guy in front of me was wearing a T-shirt. I read it probably 15 times. And the T-shirt said, if your gospel isn't touching others, it hasn't touched you. I mean, I just read it, I'm like, man, that's strong. Hallelujah. And then I'd like worship and I'd open my eyes. If your gospel's not touching, but just kept preaching to me. 
Keep in mind that Jesus can keep you from falling. Look at verse 24, and I'm, I'm concluding. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. What kind of joy? Great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages and forevermore. God is able, as, as Paul says, to make a way of escape. Why would you preach your message like, I just came to like have joy. Good, I hope you have joy. Have joy. Get trained. Learn. I'm going to finish my right. I'm going to stay married to the woman I married 20 whatever years ago. I will not fall, so help me God. I've set my life up. Listen. Okay, I'm a, I'm a little bit late this morning coming to, coming to church. And you know, no wardrobe malfunctions today, but... But I just had other challenges and uh, putting the finishing touches on my message. And so I got in my car. And you know, on this straightaway, I found myself speeding, maybe excessively. And then Pastor Karen says, well, I start speeding. And then she says, you need to slow down. I'm like, yeah, keep going. And she says, that's it. I'm going to pray you get a ticket. I said, no. Hey, hey, do you not pray I get a ticket? She said, yeah, yeah, you're scaring me, and I'm going to pray. And how many of you know where my foot was next? On the brake. Just backed off. She helped me. She helped keep me in the love of God. Keep in mind, God will send you Karens to help you. It's a good thing she's not here. Did you get anything from Jesus? My wife redeems that that phrase. Hallelujah. Did you get anything from the Lord? Come on, raise your hands to heaven and say, I'm not going to fall. Come on, say, I'm not going to fall. On purpose, I'm not going to fall. Come on, tell the person next to you, don't fall. Tell them. Come on, look at the other person and say, make a plan not to fall. I'm going to finish my race. Say it. going to finish my race. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.